Chicago aldermen from the Latino caucus are calling on Mayor Lightfoot to provide more aid for migrants arriving in the city. So far, more than 3,300 people have arrived from the U.S.-Mexico border after being loaded onto buses by Texas officials. Many of them arrive with little knowledge of Chicago, little to no money, and no place to stay. So is it time for the mayor to issue a state of emergency? Well, some aldermen, including our next guest, says yes. Joining us now on the phone from City Hall is Alderman George Cardenas. His 12th ward includes parts of Little Village, Brighton Park, and Milkinley Park on the southwest side. Welcome back, Alderman. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, the, uh, for taking me in. The city already provides several sites around Chicago for shelter and connections to health checkups. So, but you think that we could do more. Can you walk us through what additional measures you and your caucus believe that Mayor Lightfoot could take to help these migrants? Well, sure. You know, we have to live up to, to the fact that you know, we are a welcome city. Um, the state as well uh, is a welcoming state, and the city um, pronounced that decades ago, and we affirmed that just a couple of years ago. And, and so when these migrants appear, um, we do have to take into consideration what we have uh, in our hands. And declaring an emergency, um, I think, would, would definitely be, be helpful uh, to the city and the state so that we can get more and more funding, immediate funding, to be able to ameliorate uh, what's happening on the ground. You know, notwithstanding, we have a homeless, obviously, situation. Uh, we don't want to worsen that by not helping these people, and then some of them may end up on the streets as well. Mm-hmm. So we have to act quickly, quickly and on both ends. Uh, uh, to ameliorate the uh, the problem with with migrants and also uh, uh, homelessness uh, that's happening more and more in Chicago. New York City Mayor Eric Adams also issued his own state of emergency just about a week and a half ago. Now, at that point, New York had actually taken in 17,000 migrants since April. Now, we are nowhere near that number yet in Chicago. And I'm saying yet, Alderman, because the buses, they don't seem to be slowing down. Uh, But why now here in Chicago for an emergency declaration? Well, you know, it, it's uh, obviously Texas is, is um, you know, trying to, to disrupt uh, our big cities. Um, it's, it's a political move, obviously, on, on their end, uh, close, close to uh, uh, election, uh, election day coming up in November the 8th. Uh, I think it's a political uh, message more than anything. But obviously it's impacting uh, cities like New York, uh, cities like Chicago, because, you know, that's, their point is to, is to cause more chaos uh, in our cities. And so we got to react uh, to the moment, and, and, and just that means that for the, for now we have to uh, put some funds aside and ask for the state to, to also fund more services, so that uh, Chicago can quickly recover. And look, the, <clears throat> excuse me, there might be a, <clears throat> a silver lining in this that these migrants uh, could you know could enter uh, as asylum seekers, maybe uh, to also ameliorate the, the labor force shortage in certain industries. Uh, so that could be helpful as well. But but uh, first is first, and in, in helping these people uh, mm-hmm. seek shelter, and especially when they have families and, and children, uh, so that uh, they don't end up on the streets like, like uh, we have with our homeless problem. And so help us understand, how would the emergency declaration directly impact the organizations that are supporting migrants right now? Well, shelters is the biggest, right? Shelter, what, what that does is obviously releases funds appropriate funds to do that uh, so that we can uh, uh, contract out uh, housing. Uh, it could be through uh, some of the organizations that shelter uh, and, and have the shelter capacity. Uh, it could be uh, some 
some hotel capacity as well as we've done in the past mm-hmm. uh, when obviously when the pandemic uh, did hit. And so, you know, we could use we could use that. We could also set up, uh, you know, if if we can get to that some camps. Uh, I know we did it during the pandemic, setting up uh, camps, a camp for uh, for vaccination and also for helping uh, the, the, uh, the sick. And so, you know, we have we have the means and we have the resources to do it. And I think we we cannot wait uh, to become a bigger problem uh, that will cost us even more money to solve. We know that these. Um asylum seekers can't legally seek work, which makes finding housing and, and buying food, all of that becomes very, very difficult. So would an emergency declaration help meet their needs in the long term? Well, it, it, again, the short term is obviously to, to, to ameliorate, not have these folks uh, end up, uh, uh, you know, on the streets and, and, and cause uh, more chaos in the city. Uh, in the longer term, I think that these asylum seekers, to getting them legal help, and, and we do have uh, in our budget um, appropriated, uh, I believe, three additional million dollars for legal aid for for immigrants. And so those folks could also avail themselves of some of that help, uh, so that uh, attorneys can potentially, uh, you know, obviously take um, take over some of the asylum petitions that they that they will be uh, handling. So you know, it's a combination of things. Uh, but first is first, as I said, and that's that's mm-hmm. to help these folks uh, find shelter uh, so they don't starve as well, having the resources. And the children, if they have children, to be able to get them into a school setting immediately so they don't lose out uh, potentially on, on very important, uh, you know, teaching lessons. How's the arrival of migrants impacting your ward, specifically the southwest side? Well, you know, it's a conversation because people, as you know, uh, they tend to be very parochial uh, uh, with their interests. So there's people who says, look, why, why don't you take care of the problems you have here first and then and then handle that? I said, I think we can do both. Uh, I think we can be uh, humane. Uh, we can be helpful. Our city uh, is a welcoming city. So I think we can find the resources to do that and yet also take care of the problems here at home with, with some of the violence and some of the other things that, that, uh, that we're doing. We don't stop doing that. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we cannot help others uh, get on their feet. What's your uh, office doing to support them, the, the migrants? Are you hosting supply drives? Yes. So we're accepting donations at 3476 South Archer Avenue on the 12th Court. So if you have uh, um, the inclination to help, uh, we love to uh, accept your donations. And I believe we're setting up also a, a, uh, a site or uh, go, uh, go pay, uh, sort of pay fund uh, for, for some of these uh, migrants. And probably the caucus will take the lead on that so that uh, we can also prepare uh, packages, uh, comfort packages for some of those migrants that, that uh, they need it. So we're doing multiple things. It isn't just all on government. It's also on, on residents and the goodwill of many people who want to be helpful. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking to Chicago Alderman George Cardenas, who's vice chair of the Latino Caucus. He and others in the caucus, they want more to be done to help migrants from Central and South America who are arriving in Chicago, many of them having been sent on these buses from Texas. Uh, Alderman Mayor Lightfoot's proposed budget, it it includes a $5 million contingency fund for arriving migrants. What would this cover if passed? Well, it's going to cover shelter. It's going to cover some of the basic needs that that people have. Uh, Food, I imagine, is part of it. And um, additional, maybe some some health uh, care that, that they may need. 
again, we're in the middle of a pandemic still, I believe. And so what we don't want is obviously to precipitate something else, something bigger, by not taking care of those those specific needs for people that are arriving from, from faraway places. Uh, we don't know the, the health status of them, so we need to check them first to see if they have their vaccinations, to see if they have um, the children in the same, in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to exacerbate problems uh, that we have in our city, so we need to check those uh, sort of a, a checklist of things uh, so that we can take care of that. And I think the fund is going to be able to do that, just that. Yeah. Well, you know, asylum seekers, they've been arriving here long before Governor Abbott began busing them uh, in what many and yourself are calling a political stunt. So would these funds that we're speaking about and, and the emergency declaration, would they apply to those people or is it only for the people who have recently arrived on the buses? I think it's all encompassing. I think what the emergency fund is such that so that if it applies to you, if you've been here longer than that, if you apply it and you can believe that you're in an emergency situation, mm-hmm. I think it could probably apply to that. I don't think we're setting, we're saying, okay, here's $5 million for the newly arrived uh, and just them. Uh, I think the idea is to be able to have some funds so we can deploy quickly and, and not create further chaos in the city. I think that's really the aim, to stabilize things uh, and then look at a plan that, that is either six months, a year out, and, or even longer than that. Uh, but the state has to be part of that solution, and, and I think the governor did signal that. But if we declare an emergency, I think the state could act and could also send funds to Chicago to, to, uh, uh, to, to again, combat the problem and ameliorate the, the, uh, the solution. Is there additional legislation that the Latino caucus could put together to help the migrants? We could, we could add to, to the budget, but then again, again it's, it's a question of, of dollar and cents. Uh, you know, do we add more more money? Do we ask the state if they're going to put some some money in the game? If not, we could also increase the amount in contingency fund, not to say five million, but maybe ten million. As as it's going to keep going, uh, we're going to look at New York uh, what fund or how much they appropriate it, and see if we can sort of mirror that. I'm not going to say that it's going to be the same as in New York. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a more costly environment in New York, but here we can definitely, I think, up that so that we're not uh, in a crunch uh, six months from now if this continues. We got to be prepared more than anything, and I think, uh, you know, enlarging the fund, uh, it's, it's a way to prepare uh, for a possibility. What's your message to the asylum seekers who are arriving here? Well, obviously, welcome. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to learn uh, about this city, um, and and getting them prepared and getting them uh, their checkups and everything else. You know, it's important for them to feel welcome, but there's also a sense of. Um, uh, of uh, unity uh, uh, from them that, yeah, the community obviously is going to help you, but there's some of the things that you need to do on your end also to fend uh, for yourself. Uh, and when the time comes, you're going to be prepared to do just that. And your message to Governor Abbott, who continues to bus migrants from Texas to Chicago and other I mean, sanctuary cities? I, honestly, obviously, it's a shame uh, that people uh, cannot work with federal government and, and they use us for, for political points, for political points for them in their elections. It's really sad. I think this is the United States of America. It isn't just Texas or Arizona. And I think it speaks volumes to their politics of divisions and meanness, really, if you really put it that way. But I think we have to be better than that as a nation. I think this is what's wrong with you know some of the Republican leaders that will do anything to score those political points. And I think it's just sad, but but again, I'm hopeful just as, as we are humane that others also remain the same way. Before I let you go, I'm curious whether you have any sense of 
communication happening between Governor Abbott and the city of Chicago? Like, do we know how many more migrants are coming? Honestly, they're not very um, forward in, in their communication. I think there's some communication, but I'm going to say it's fluid. Um, you know, you know, they're not going to give you a heads up in terms of, oh, I'm bringing, I'm just going to send you a couple of thousand more. One, potentially, maybe they don't have a handle on, on, on how big the problem is for them. Maybe they do, but, but they, they seem to choose a word to send them to cause chaos. And I think that's, that's what you're going to take from that. You just don't know. Even if you have communications between uh, Abbott's government and, and ours, uh, I think that, that his uh, political um, stance, it's, it's just wild. It's very, um, uh, how do you say it, uh, uh, inopportune or inaccurate in terms of how, what he's going to do next. Chicago Alderman George Cardenas of the 12th Ward and Vice Chair of the Latino Caucus. Thank you so much for your time, Alderman. Thank you. Back now with more Reset, I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. Now, thousands of people have been bused from Texas to Chicago since late August, and the arrival of those buses don't seem to be slowing down. Some advocates worry whether there are enough resources to support migrants coming to the city, like health checkups or help finding work. And as we enter the colder months, will they have access to adequate housing, warm clothes? Now, before the break, we spoke to an alderman who's pushing for an emergency declaration that would provide more aid. But what help is available to migrants right now? To learn more, we are joined in the studio by Stephanie Wilding, the CEO of Community Health in Chicago. Hey, Stephanie. Good morning. Also here with us is Swathi Staley, Chief Strategy Officer and General Counsel for YMCA of Metropolitan Chicago. Welcome, Swathi. Hi, nice to be here. And joining us on the phone is Mario Garcia, Executive Director of Onward Neighborhood House. Welcome, Mario. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So we've got three different groups with us here today. Uh, Let's talk about what help you've all been providing for migrants thus far. So we'll start with you, Stephanie. Yes, thank you again for having me this morning. Um, So Community Health is the nation's largest volunteer-based free health center. So our focus in um, the migrant crisis is that, healthcare access. What that really looks like right now is the initial health screenings that are needed, sort of an intake um, for the migrants, uh, both to understand their needs, but also um, as part of the process for asylum. Mm -hmm. That said, there's also a lot of ongoing and long-term needs, including vaccination, both flu and COVID. You know, as a reminder, we are in flu season, so get your flu shot. Yes, exactly. Um, And this is a need that the migrants also have. Um, But there's also emergent and urgent care. As you can imagine, um, these individuals, these humans, have had a very long journey to get here to Chicago, a traumatic journey. So there are on those emergent and urgent needs. But finally, and, and you alluded to this in your, your intro as well, is the long-term and ongoing health care needs that migrants will need. You know, at this time, um, there's a great effort to do that initial intake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue to expand the availability of on-site care and connection to ongoing care yeah. um, to to deal with, with the health care issues. So that's really what the health care landscape looks like right now. Um, and I think a big lift is going to happen in sort of this next phase as folks settle in and their longer-term needs are really identified. Um, Does that more. ring a bell to you, Swathi? Yeah, very much so. So the, the YMCA is plugging in um, in whatever way we can right now. This is not something that we traditionally provide, um, services that we traditionally provide, but in terms of 
the the current crisis, the YMCA is plugging in with the city to open up one of our closed sites um, to provide space um, and and warm shelter and um, you know access to other resources through um, community partners and other city agencies at our site. Um, we absolutely you know agree that this is this is something that this is we are not able to address all needs at with a single agency. And so it is part, partners like the city of Chicago and other human service providers that are really plugging in to fill in the gaps. I mean, right it now. sounds overwhelming. It, it is overwhelming, yeah. I think. And, and the, the volume of individuals who are coming into Chicago right now is unprecedented. This is something that, you know, as, as the alderman said before, we're not getting a lot of information. We're not necessarily having all of that data that, that, allows us to prepare. And so it is It is a little bit of a patchwork of services that are that are plugging in right now to connect the dots. Mario, let's uh, hear from you. What's Onward Neighborhood House doing right now? Well, we are, we were funded back in 1897. So we have a long history of working with immigrants and to help them integrate into their new country, all the way from Western Europe. And now mostly our For the last 30 years, we've been working with uh, uh, folks from Latin America. So now we are providing quite a range of services from helping them to fill applications for uh, um, services from the state or from the city, uh, providing basic essentials like clothes, uh, connecting them to health care. It's great that um, community health is co-located at Onward House, so we do a lot of referrals to folks. Um, to come to to go to community health, mm-hmm. um, uh, we provide uh, you know essentials, uh, helping them with shelter, helping them uh, identify, um, make changes with their immigration status. Uh, quite a number of folks, just about everybody, has to uh, go to the either ICE or to the courts to make appointments. Uh, yeah. So we're helping them with that. So anything that they need, mm-hmm. uh, we are there to help them. Um, and I think besides the challenge of helping immigrants, I think we're also finding that our, the mental health of our staff is being impacted because they are hearing quite uh, uh, devastating stories uh, yeah. from the immigrants about their experiences coming all the way to, from Venezuela in particular, all the way to Chicago. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a piece that we don't often hear about, right, is... is how this is impacting the mental health of the people providing uh, providing the help. Did you have a lot of time, yeah. Mario, to, to prepare for the the arrival of these migrants here in, in the last few months? Uh, no. Actually, uh, we expanded our Illinois Welcoming Center, uh, which helps with immigrants and refugees, and uh, we increased the staff this new fiscal year from one to three because we've been other than the buses that are coming, we've seen in Belmont Cregan, where we are located, an increase of immigrants from Ecuador and Venezuela for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. So we already have been working on that. And then all of a sudden, August 31st, we get a, a, a call from IDHS saying, we need your help. There are two buses coming here. And we really had no time to ramp up our services, uh, our staffing in particular, uh, now, uh, I think Friday we have uh, two more social workers coming on board because there's just not enough staff to help with the folks that we have to work at uh, in the hotels who are coming by bus yeah. and also folks who are coming on their own. Stephanie, I see you nodding your head. It sounds too familiar. Talk more about the, the collaboration 
that you're doing it with uh, community health and, and these other partners as well to make this work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think collaboration um, is going to be key in all of this. Yeah. Um, and really do, you know, echo others' sentiments around the ways in which the city and the state have um, really been working together, working with community-based organizations, healthcare entities, trying to break down the silos and, and as as was said, really patchwork this together. You know, Community Health um, in April of 2021 opened up a new location inside of Onward Neighborhood House. Um, this was really as a result of what we learned during the pandemic about the value of collaboration and, and really putting an emphasis on co-location to facilitate that. Um, and as Mario mentioned, you know, we've already um, seen an influx of, of migrants even before the busing. But even now, um, you know, rather than having to do an informal referral, mm -hmm. for example, um, and really put the onus on that client or patient to seek out health care or reverse for us to refer to food access, for example, mm -hmm. at Onward House, we can now just have them walk up the hall and be able to have that co-location and that collaboration. And I think, um, you know, when we're talking about the massive lift that's going to be needed on this, there's there's the crisis moment that we're in right now, which most of us have had some experience with in the last two and a half years, and we've learned there's the patchwork approach. Um, but as time progresses, needs become clearer, people become fatigued, yeah. and mental health will, will take a toll. Um, how can we increase efficiencies in our work together um, in ways that we never had to before? Yeah, Swathi, the, the YMCA of uh, Metropolitan Chicago. You're using your former facility in Westridge, uh, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, um, as a shelter for the migrants. Talk to us about what the facility looks like now. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, this the site has sort of been revived for this, for this emergency activation. And um, Stephanie really hit the nail on the head when she's talking about collaboration. It is absolutely all hands on deck from partner agencies, city and state agencies. Um, there are um, the needs that are, that are immediate are being addressed by partners like the Sh Greater Chicago Food Depository, um, case management support from DFSS from the city, OEMC providing resources, um, you know, Catholic Charities, all, all of the Salvation Army, American Red Cross, everyone's come together in a really meaningful way to amplify the service delivery. Yeah. And that, I think, is, is one beauty of the pandemic is that we really learned how to work together because the needs are so extensive and one agency isn't able to provide everything. And so the the coming together of, you know, private and public to really enhance what needs to be done um, is something that's been a pretty incredible sight. Yeah. Um, but to Stephanie's point, I mean, this has to be the norm now going forward is the, these integration of services among private private agencies and, and government agencies to really make sure that those needs are being met long term. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the need for more aid and support for migrants coming into Chicago from Texas. We're joined by leaders of three groups that are providing services around the city. We're talking with Stephanie Wilding, the CEO of Community Health, Swathi Staley, who's Chief Strategy Officer and General Counsel for YMCA of Metropolitan Chicago, and Mario Garcia, who's Executive Director of Onward Neighborhood House. Mario and Stephanie, your organizations, you've, you've been working, as we've mentioned, with migrants directly. Do you have an, a sense of how they're doing right now? Like, what are you hearing 
from folks. Mario, you first. Well, I think they're still in shock. Uh, I had the opportunity to go in to the hotel and just by looking at the nonverbals and the looks on their faces, I think people are feel lost. Uh, I think there's frustration because after making a long trip, you still there uh, at the border, they have not been treated well. Uh, and then here, I think people are anxious about being able. What I, what am I going to do? What's going to happen to me? Uh, so I think there's yeah. shock, there's surprise, there's frustration, all those kinds of uh, feelings that you would expect for somebody that has left their country and. Mm-hmm. Uh, have made a horrendous uh, trip uh, journey. Um, you know, some, we have lent a couple of our teachers to help with the children and from our preschool. And uh, the stories they come back to our house, you know, the stories that children yeah. uh, share with us about seeing dead people on the way here. Because I'm sure you know that there is uh, a gap between Colombia and Panama where people have to walk and it's just jungle. And some people wow. have not made it through there. Stephanie, what are some of the biggest issues you're hearing about on on the migrants' minds? Yeah, I would say that Mario captured it, you know, perfectly. It is horrifying. It is yet another unprecedented moment. Um, And just adding that the shock um, that is is being felt right now over time will will go away. Mm -hmm. And the ongoing impact of trauma. Uh, from not only a mental health perspective, but we know so much now more about how trauma impacts the full body. Yeah, at least we hope it'll go away, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and so the the lasting impact of that is certainly something we're focused on. And, you know, Mario and I were actually speaking this morning, and the other thing that he really described that I think is important to understand is um, that migrants are housed in different hotels, at different shelters, and at each of these locations – it's almost like a little town has developed and um, and is functioning and not functioning just like a, a little town, um, but that the underlying current throughout all of that is um, the, the trauma that's been experienced yeah. and how that is influencing tensions, concerns, um, fears. Um, and, you know, as, if we were all to even just put ourselves in the shoes of the migrants for one moment, even the uncertainty of what's next alone is crippling. Oh, yeah. Is crippling. And that's really the tone that is in place. So what do you think, Swathi? Will there be enough resources in the city to provide care to more migrants coming here? Certainly hope so. I mean, we, you know, we aren't sure about what our next steps are, you know, and, and the YMCA is, stands ready to, to continue to provide services for as long as we're asked and as needed. But um, we've had to rely on our, our philanthropic and, and corporate partners as well to help support some of the resource needs um, with alongside the city because there's so many individuals who are coming in that the, that the need is so great immediately. And yeah. so, um, you know, where the city um, has asked us to step up from a philanthropic or from a corporate partner standpoint, we've been able to rely on partners like Wilson and Nike um, and and other partners like Target who are able to to step in and provide those immediate needs. But, mm-hmm. you know, that is that's where the gap is being filled. Yeah. And, and the hope is that we'll be able to continue to rely on partners outside of, you know, private private agencies who are providing services as well as city agencies. But um, that's where we've had to turn. And thankfully, there's been a strong response and support of what we're trying to do here. Yeah. And that's been um, and that's been really nice to see. 
but that the hope is that that continues as long as as long as the need is there. Yeah, well, to that end, Swathi, I, I want to go around the room. Is there anything that folks listening right now who may want to support your group, what can they do? You first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the YMCA um, website is open for, for donations and for, for support. Um, I know the city has a great site that's set up for new arrivals as well to provide um, volunteer resources as well as donations for um, immediate urgent needs. Okay. Um, and so we're always we're always grateful for the support of our philanthropic community as well as our community partners. Um, and and obviously the city has has a website as well for resources. Mario, I would say the same thing. Uh, uh, anything from hats to uh, coats, anything in the winter. Uh, related materials, uh, hygiene items. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's what we need. And I think also I, I hope that the community at large keeps an eye for these folks because I think this, are, this is a group that's uh, right for being uh, taken advantage. Uh, you know, whenever there's a crisis mm-hmm. anywhere, uh, those who are struggling are, are prime candidates to be taken advantage of. That's a good point. Last word to you, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, so Community Health is a volunteer-based health center. So we are always open for volunteerism, um, especially for Spanish-speaking individuals, um, medical providers, medical assistants. Um, but also, we're going to need to pay for additional people power, medical supplies, et cetera. And so donations are also welcome, both of which you can find out more about at communityhealth.org. Um, and I think, you know, the last thing I just want to say about community health is one of our core values is justice. And so like the other organizations here today, you know, we believe in these humans' right to housing, food, health care, basic fundamentals, and we will continue to do whatever we need to do to step up to ensure that folks arriving to our city have, have those things. Stephanie Wilding is the CEO of Community Health. Swathi Staley is the Chief Strategy Officer and General Counsel for YMCA of Metropolitan Chicago. And Mario Garcia is the Executive Director of Onward Neighborhood House. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hearing us. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.